Hi and welcome to the Town Hall Tattle podcast where we bring you all the news from all the town halls across South Yorkshire. I'm Danielle Andrews, I'm the local democracy reporter for Barnsley and Rotherham and joining me are my colleagues Molly Williams and Julia Armstrong who both cover Sheffield. Now the topic on everybody's lips for the past few weeks has been obviously the sad death of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, it's really brought things to a halt across the country and across uh, South Yorkshire as we've re-entered a period of 10 days of national mourning. And Julia and Molly have been out and about and will be able to tell us exactly how that affected Sheffield. So what, what kind of things did you see, Molly and Julia, when you were reporting on this? Um, so I guess like... For us um, for LDRs, um, the BBC actually put a whole new tag on the LDR portal for the royal coverage. Um, so we were sort of almost like became royal correspondents for the weekend. So I had to go out and cover um, uh, obviously tributes to the Queen and then um, the local declaration of the new king for South Yorkshire in Sheffield. Um, and the mood was like, uh, there were some people like very, very clearly visibly affected by it. People were doing like, when they were doing like three cheers for the king, people were crying and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and it was, it was quite a, uh, it, it was, it was, a, it was a weird one to cover as well because it's, you recognize how much of a historic moment it's going to be and the things that you write could be looked back on in the future as sort of like, this is how Sheffield um reacted to the queen's death um, yeah it really felt like we were living in part of history didn't we and I, I believe there was a queue in sheffield to sign the book of condolences was that at the hall? yeah so like when i went to cover the um i can't i can't actually remember what it's called but it's you know because the, they have the the thing on the saturday oh was it the saturday where where you basically like formally proclamation, declare, it? yeah the proclamation the proclamation of the new king so they had that in London um, and then they have local ones across the country. So the one for South Yorkshire was in Sheffield. Um, so I went down to cover that um, and there was loads of people filled out Barker's Pool for it. And then I went down to see the flowers and the tributes and things like that had been left for the Queen and the Peace Gardens. Um, and some of the messages on that were quite touching. And then I went to the town hall where people were signing the book in condolence. And there was, like you say, there's a huge queue outside. And I was talking to the town hall staff there and they said it'd been like that all day. Um, yeah. So it was sort of like the Sheffield's version of the queue that was going through London. Yeah, the queue became a talking point in itself, didn't it? I think there's nothing so British as queuing. It's like a national hobby, isn't it, for us really? So and I quite like the stories of people who'd met in the queue and things like that. That was quite sweet. But it's good that Sheffield had its own version. It shows what kind of impact um, the, the late Queen had on all of us. And I mean, from the people I was talking to, no one had a bad word to say about her. And there were sort of mixed reactions about how King Charles will get on. Has anybody spoke to you about sort of how they think he's going to be as a king? I think a lot of people had said that. They felt, a lot of people who are like royalists had said that um, <clears throat> they feel like the queen would have... Oh, there was also someone that had said he'd had like the longest uh, apprenticeship in history. <laughs> he's born to do one job and then you don't get to actually do it um for, well, how did it yeah it's been waiting 70 odd years hasn't it? yeah yeah that must be very strange so i guess he's kind of you know you probably couldn't be more prepared than he than he is i suppose and, uh, 
did, did you watch the funeral then we as ldrs we were off work um our colleagues were picking up the bank holiday shift but we were off i watched it um but i've sort of been poorly stuck at home so there wasn't really anything else on the telly but it was quite a grand spectacle well, I was actually in France at the time because I've, I've been on I've been on annual leave for the past couple of weeks. So I covered the um, I was working the weekend for um, just after the Queen died, and then I went on holiday um, that I'd had booked in for quite a long time. And it was weird to see on the French TV shows that were like even in that even in different countries there were like specials of royal coverage and stuff, um, and on the newspapers and things like that. It was still everywhere. So. Yeah, it's the same in Italy. I was in Italy. I was on holiday as well the day that the, the, on the the day that the Queen actually died, and um, there was there was a lot of coverage in Italy. It was pretty well wall to wall coverage in Italy. A lot of the front pages led on it and stuff. I suppose from my point of view, um, it was weird to see the way that local politics ground to a halt in Sheffield. Yes, um, yeah, it really did. I mean, completely to the point where I was trying to find out. Um, as part of like when I took over with Molly went away and I, I came in sort of uh, the week of the funeral and uh, I was trying to find out who was actually who which MPs or councillors or wh whoever was, was actually going to represent Sheffield at the, at the funeral or if they were just going on their own account as a member of the public I know Shafak Mohammed who's the Lib Dem leader was very uh, very upset so he I think he uh, I think Molly said he was he was in the queue for 13 hours with his family. But I was one trying to find out. So even the, it just got silly, really, in that point of view, because I emailed um, MPs. who used, Some of them you get straight back to you and tell you things. Um, and um, I also emailed the Lord Lieutenant of Sheffield, who, uh, sorry, of South Yorkshire, who represents, who, who was there at the lying in state and the, uh, and the funeral representing the county, but didn't really feel they could say anything about it. And I thought that was extraordinary, really, the fact that, we're in the middle of a huge cost of living crisis in this country. People are worried where the money's coming from. You know, people's lives carry on. We've got strikes taking place about all issues, all sorts of issues around that. And that the whole politics stopped. And I understand out of respect for the Queen that that happens to some extent. But when you get to the extent, I question whether it's right, where even if you can't say that you were actually mourning, mourning the Queen at the funeral, that just seemed to me a step too far really and 10 days is a long time isn't it in the world of politics especially yeah. just had Liz Truss's announcements <laughs> on fracking and the energy bills and then all of a sudden it was just ground to a halt so yeah it was very very difficult as journalists to find out what was going on yeah. because I think there were some mixed messages some some yeah. councillors and politicians felt that they couldn't speak to the media during this time or yeah didn't know what to say and I think it's just because we've probably we've, we've never been through the death of the the serving royal before in our lifetimes have we so none of us have I'm 61 and the queen was in was on the throne what eight years before I was born so yeah. clearly not but at the same time I did think that there could have been a better balance with that because people yeah. do have issues that are concerning them and I felt that you know the the politicians could have found you know they could have just addressed things I mean obviously there's still there was there were still working and there were still meetings uh the full council meeting was basically Sheffield was basically given over to um, uh, to, to to people talking about the the Queen and how they thought you know her contribution to people's lives in Sheffield and but really basically everything else got knocked into the long grass apart from that. I know the the people at the Rose Garden Cafe they planned a 
they'd, they'd actually planned to do a big uh, rally outside because of the Rose Garden. I think we might talk about that later, but the Rose Garden Cafe protesters had had a rally plan, but then they had to pull it because that was the day that they were going to be at the council meeting. So their issues got put back to November now. So, you know, I'm, that's not the most important issue in the world, obviously, but it's interesting to see the way that that just everything just stopped apart from that. And whereas I do think that that was correct at the same time, you know, maybe some issues that are really important. I thought they should have, the politicians should have spoken about some of those issues, I think, or at least talked about, you know, their response to the the, rule, the Queen dying. Yeah, because I, I, I was told by some councillors that they'd been told not to speak to us, but then at the same time we were being told the council was business as usual but they can't talk to us about the business. And it's kind of like, well, are you either doing the work and therefore you should be talking to us about it because that's like the public deserves to know what is done in their name or you're not doing work out of respect for the Queen. And then it's like, if it's out of respect, then why can't they at the very least pay their respects? I mean, I'd heard about councillors getting told off just for saying that they, you know, paying their respects to the Queen on record. And it's like, well, it's just... It, yeah. it was definitely too of it. Some of it was just way too far. And yeah. then you saw it on social media as well, where people were like, you can't use this bike shed in respect of the Queen. And it's kind of like, really? <laughs> yeah. I saw someone get told off. I follow loads of different yeah. local, local pages on Facebook. And somebody dared to ask what time Tesco were opening one. I think it was on the day that the, the Queen had sadly died and they yeah they weren't treated too kindly by the other social media users I'll just say that for asking yeah. when Tesco's are open so yeah, yeah. I think maybe I'd, I'd be interested to know if there are any contingency plans in place for the death of a royal or you know a national national situation like that what what politicians are told yeah, well yeah. they obviously were told they, they obviously were told of something because every all the parties kept to the same message so they were obviously clearly briefed yeah That's clearly the case because it's the same across the country as well yeah it's just interesting isn't it but i mean the yeah it's just something that we've not had before i think so maybe it'll be handled differently if we do ever see that in our lifetime again it's certainly yeah. unique in the case of you know the, the queen dies in the age of social media and mm. you know that, that that's obviously completely different to any other uh, big event like that you know they, it changes the whole it changes everything because people can instantly say what they think and people can <coughs> sorry people can instantly hear from them which is not you know not the way it's been before absolutely and I think as well like things kind of change because so i know some of the protocols they have in place have been in place for such a long 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 time and people have even to the extent like i know in like news coverage and stuff people write obituaries and prepare coverage for things yeah. years in advance before it happens yeah but then in the meantime i don't know maybe things change and I don't know when those plans were drawn up we weren't in a cost of living crisis we weren't mm. having maybe as much of the financial problems that we were having at the council now I mean like all the councillors at Sheffield have been working through the summer um when they normally would wait a few months everything's been pushed forward to deal with budget stuff and yeah so I don't know maybe things would be a bit different in the future if Hopefully, it's one of those learning curves, isn't it? It's not happened before, it's happened now, and now we've probably got a clearer idea going forward what will happen. But don't know about you guys, I felt like I was really living through history, like nationwide history. And um, We've just heard from Julia Armstrong there. Um, she's replaced Lucy Ashton, who's left us to go to BBC Radio Sheffield. Um, Julia, how have you found um, 
stepping into the role as a local democracy reporter. I'm really enjoying it at the moment. It's really interesting. Obviously, I as soon as this, this the big story started breaking anyway, because we had the whole Boris Johnson thing, which seems like decades ago now. Yes, that was years and years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, a long time in politics, absolutely. I know, and obviously we've had the government of Liz Truss coming, and we've not really seen much of them apart from this massive budget, which has caused you know consternation and controversy and dropping in the pound and all the rest of it. So it's fairly, you know, it's it's obviously fast moving stuff. I'm really, I am really enjoying it, although there are some. It's interesting the way the the, the council. The last time I was at a council meeting as a reporter. I was sat, yeah, sat with a big sheaf of papers leafing through them. So like, like, wasn't, not like now when you're, I'm, I'm mostly watching watching on webcast, which is yeah. another one of the things changing the present day. Um, Molly and I both went to the uh, the, the full, first full council after um, after I got the job, and um, you know, so we were you know we were in the room, and it was it was in July, and it was in the middle of a heat wave. Uh, these huge in, in the because the, because obviously it's a Victorian building. There's not air conditioning. So there's these huge air conditioning units just next to where we were. So you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> what is going on? I mean, obviously I've basically followed it, but mostly you had to watch the web watch back on the webcast to figure out what people actually said in the debate and stuff. And just thinking, yes. oh my god. Oh, we could write a book on the lack of being able to hear things at council meetings in Barnsley. I sit up on the public gallery because they do have press benches downstairs. In the chamber but i can't hear very well because it's in a u-shape and half the councillors have the backs towards me but if i sit upstairs on the balcony the sound travels upwards but then i have to like run downstairs and say hello to everybody after because as you know a lot of the good stories we get as reporters come from speaking to councillors after meetings not during the meeting but <laughs> it's nobody's fault it's just how it's laid out but yeah we could write a book on the perils of the here in council meetings <laughs> i have honestly been in council meetings sometimes and just been in the meeting watching the meeting that i'm sitting in on my laptop with my headphones in because the sound is you know, <laughs> <laughs> you can actually see what's going on rather than what's just in front of me it's been that bad we need a big technological update in these um these yeah. prestigious old town halls don't That's we it, like, they are. <laughs> yeah they're so like old and beautiful but sometimes you just think i could do with like the modern technology of doncaster town hall or something yeah, yeah where they went past everything. i'm lucky with rotherham because i'm sat right at the back of their chamber i can hear um but their webcast's really quiet for some reason so if we ever can't get to a meeting it's yeah anyway but that's not why we're here <laughs> I just um, I thought the other thing I was sorry to, to the other thing was that uh, looking at the new because uh, in Sheffield they had a referendum and we decided that we were going to move from uh, the what's called the cabinet system where everything's kind of the, the big decisions take place with a, a small minority in one committee of the which is really only the leading group as I was understood you know so therefore whoever was in you know so the things have changed because people felt that wasn't very democratic. Um, so in Sheffield, you know, people voted to, to change that system. And uh, so now that we've, we're all still trying to figure out what's going on now, because you've got the new committee system. But actually, where does power lie? You know, if you're trying to influence what's going on, if you've got a campaign or whatever, who do you talk to now? You know, who do you present your case to? Um, does it mean that uh, does it mean actually that I think some people are worried that actually this will means that there's more power goes to the, uh, the 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 unelected officers rather than the councillors, at least for the time being, because everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. You think about now the budget, uh, there's, there's big cuts coming in, you know, and I think people in Sheffield, they've voted for more uh, 
that they voted for, you know, more uh, open democracy. So I think that's still a work in progress. I've been quite interested to see that. But also the voting in, in, in the, the first full council, the voting completely bewildered me because I've been to trade union conferences and so, so on, you know, trade union activists and stuff. And, uh, and and really, if you if you have a motion, if someone puts a motion forward and there's an amendment, then that then and there might be three or four amendments and that amendment the one that if, if the first one's voted for and people vote for it that becomes the substantive motion when it how it changes the 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 uh the motion so i was, I was confidently expecting that to be the case but then there was two three and motion uh, amendments two three and four and everybody voted on all of them and i'm thinking how do you understand what decision you've just made if everyone's just voted on five different things about the same you know with different points of view from different political groups I thought it was fascinating. Or, it's, or yeah. it would be like, um, I agree with this sentence of this paragraph, but I disagree with this word in this part of this. <laughs> it's like, wait, where are we? <laughs> yeah. Who, how do you decide to have all that? What your actual, what, what was, what the decision was made? I didn't. Yeah. There's whispers of um, a committee system coming to Barnsley as well. I think there's a grassroots campaign that's starting well, has started over the summer to bring the committee system over. And it's it's interesting arguments for and against. So yeah. I'll be interested to see if that picks up up here as well. Yeah. Um, now, Julia, you mentioned earlier another campaign that's been quite big in the news is the Rose Garden Cafe in Graves Park. Where are you up to with that at the moment? Um, at the moment, it's waiting to come to full council on, on the, in November, um, although they had a the campaigners. There's there's the Friends of Grave Park, Graves Park, which is... Uh, a, you know, just a group that's been going for a long time but um but they're working alongside the um uh the the campaign save the rose garden cafe which is uh which, which launched a petition on the day that the the cafe closed so people i'm sure everybody in sheffield knows uh the rose garden in sheffield in Grove's park in sheffield which is a very popular park probably the biggest one in terms of area in sheffield it's got the, the little animal farm and stuff that a lot of really popular with a lot of families and the cafe there, it was equally popular. It was always quite busy, but the the the, uh, the council did a survey which found that there was a problem with the roof, and the place got shut down. The, the people at Brew Kitchen, the company who run it, got got told they had to get people out within fifteen minutes, and it was locked up, and it's all boarded up now. And uh, because it, because the building is in a bad state of repair, a lot of people were worried that it would just the easy option was to pull it down, and. You know, it's quite, and it's wrong to say, we overuse iconic, but people think it's in its context, it's very recognisable and they feel that it's something they don't want to lose. So there was lots of discussions about it. So straight away there was a petition that was launched and it's now got more than 8,000 uh, signatures. And if you if you get over 5,000, that triggers, a, that if, you, if it's a petition to the council, that triggers a debate. So that's that's what that's what I was talking about. They were having a rally outside and then we're going to put, Put their petition for that that will all happen in november now um so but it's been a very popular campaign because so many people just enjoy using the cafe and last week there was a meeting with um, some of the council officials and some of the campaigners and ian auckland who is uh, a lib dem councillor for his, his wards actually called graves park um and he's been a long time involved in all this and um there's been some reassurances about the fact that the campaigners have got the right to sort of co-write the questions for the survey so all the surveys that are being done and and actually uh, get their point of view put forward which I, I had never heard of before and uh, I think they they but the thing they're really fed up about is that the, the council said that it would set up um, a permanent a temporary replacement and that's not happened 
So I think it's interesting. Andy Kershaw, who used to work for BBC Radio Sheffield, um, has been part of the campaign. And he said that he talked to them about a lack of trust at the council, with the council and people in Sheffield. I think because of issues like the trees, you know, the whole the whole horrible trees thing that, you know, still resonates with a lot of people where they feel there's that lack of trust. And I think that the officials had to recognise that they hadn't done that great a job. So I think that was, it was very interesting about the way that things that happened cut three or four years ago are still impinging on the way people see the council. I think there's a lot of work to do there. So if there's sort of damage to the roof, if that's correct, who's going to have to pay to fix that damage then? Council. I mean, the, the park was was given to Sheffield by Alderman J.G. Graves, um, who gave a lot of things. In, in, he gave a lot of, uh, he was an alderman and a councillor and a Lord Mayor. Um, uh, it was, it, I think it, his money was um, industrial money when Sheffield was a big industrial power. And uh, he, he bequeathed lots of things to the council, uh, to the city, to the people. And there's actually, um, there's, a there's a charity that, that was set up in order to make sure that it, it would still be funded. So the council is the only, is, it benefits from that charity, um, which was set up, as I say, in order to make sure the park is kept for the people of Sheffield. And the trouble is that the money's been spent in the park and obviously council money gets spent and taxpayers' money, council tax money gets, taxpayers' money gets spent in the park, obviously, because that 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 bequest won't be enough. But it, 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 from what the campaigners are saying and from the papers I've seen, it looks like the money's been spent elsewhere and not on on really on making sure that the building was going to be upkept properly now. It's great that people care and they want to get a petition. I mean, I remember going there as a kid. Um, I suppose most Sheffielders all remember going there as a kid and in the cafe with the tea cakes and all that kind of thing. A lovely cafe, but I, I can't imagine that'll be cheap and councils aren't exactly flush with money in this day and age, are they? Yeah. So I suppose... Yeah, the campaigners are looking at doing fundraising as well, so they know that it's going to be hard to get the money together. And obviously, you've got millions of pounds of cuts in, the, in all the councils, you know. So, yeah, whether what priority it is, but on priority of popularity, then you know they're making their case. Well, hopefully, next time we're on the podcast, we're bringing you an update saying the fundraising goal's been achieved, the roof's been fixed, and we have a date for reopening. But <laughs> Things move slowly in council world, so who knows? <laughs> um, thank you for listening to Town Hall Tattle today with Daniel Andrews, Molly Williams and Julia Armstrong. <laughs>